Now, in, in Ephesians, again, if you've been watching this and, and, and seeing, we're really trying to go, what does God want us to do? This follows salvation. So we need to be a little bit careful. You know, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. So it starts there. It, it starts with finding life in Jesus. So if you are watching this and you do not know Jesus as your Lord, I, I want to tell you, he died on the cross for your sins, and he is freely offering you life. You don't, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to go behave. You don't have to do any good works. You just have to say thank you. I believe, Jesus, you died on the cross. You rose from the dead, and now I give you my life. And then the Holy Spirit will come into you. Uh, you will receive a new life from him, and then he'll start to transform you. And that's where we are then is Ephesians 2, 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. So part of this new life in Christ is he starts to mess with our lives a little bit. He messes with our hearts. He messes with our lives and says, now go make a difference for, for me. And if you belong to Christ, you have, maybe you've been ignoring it, but you have at least a small part of you that says, I want to make a big difference for God. So if you have a holy discontent, a, you know, a dislocated heart, a broken spirit, you start to get a vision. Now there's something else that needs to happen. We saw it in, in Alex and Kelsey's story, but here in Nehemiah chapter two, we're gonna see some more. Now remember, Nehemiah is in Susa. He is the cupbearer to the king of Persia, not a, not a godly man. You know, not somebody who knew the, the one true God. Jerusalem uh, was a few hundred miles away. Jerusalem, uh, the walls were torn down. Nehemiah got word from a brother that had come from Jerusalem. And Nehemiah says, hey, how's Jerusalem going? He says, not good. The wall's torn down. Uh, the people are, are, are kind of a mess. Uh, they're vulnerable. And so this city that is supposed to be an example of God to the rest of the world is crumbling. And God's people are, are vulnerable and not doing well. And so his heart is broken. Right then, his heart is broken, and for four months, he prays and he fasts, saying, God, do something about that situation. And then at some point, he says, you know what? I think it's me. You have a plan to do something about it, and it's me. And we saw this last week where he took a bold step of faith, and he went before the king with a sad face. The king could have had him killed right then and there for it, but instead, he received favor, not because the king was awesome, not because Nehemiah was awesome, but because God was at work. So look at Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 4. This is after uh, Nehemiah kind of shared, hey, there's a problem in Jerusalem, um, and that's why I'm not feeling so good. And the king said, what are you requesting? This is uh, Nehemiah 2, verse 4. What do you want from me? So I prayed to the God of heaven. I think that's really cool right there. That's one of those real quick, you know, he didn't bow his head. He's just like, God, help me here. Um, it's, it's rolling. Let's see what happens. Verse five. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, uh, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. You know, our, our first point, as we see here, is that prayer never ceases to be vital. You know, prayer is important at the beginning, the middle, all the way through, because our, our broken spirit means we are completely dependent on God. How many times have you seen Christians fall because of, a, of pride, because of, of self-reliance, maybe continuing in a ministry and becoming good at it? Well, here you see Nehemiah is always dependent on God, and he prays. And here, you know, the king says, what do you want? And he says, I, I want to go. 
And the king then asks him some questions. What are you asking? And he's going to outline a plan. And so that's what we're looking at this week is that a, we need to be able to plan. We don't just run in headlong. Imagine if it was legal to just jump into foster care. It'd be a disaster. Uh, luckily, the, the system has set up, you know, you have to make a plan. You have to be checked through. Well, that's the same in, in all areas of life, really. We need to plan. Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. I love that verse because wisdom... And good stewardship with God means we make plans. But we make plans in submission to God, meaning we're willing to change our plans. We make plans, the Lord establishes our steps. He directs. So we plan and he changes. And so here you see Nehemiah's plan. The king says, how long is it going to take you? Nehemiah gave him a time. Now Nehemiah is going to go for 12 years. I doubt Nehemiah asked for 12 years right here. We don't know. So at some point, his plan was adjusted, and he probably sent word back to the king because he was a good servant, said, hey, can I stay a couple more years? Uh, but he had a plan. He, had, he was able to give a time, and then he makes some specific requests. Uh, look at verse 7. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, look at his humility, let letters be given to me to the governors of the province beyond the river that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. So he makes these very specific requests. For four months he had been praying, and fasting, and planning. He knew what to ask for. Nehemiah was not a builder. Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. So here, I can only assume what his planning looked like, but we see some specifics. He had a good idea of the situation. He asked for letters to bring to the leaders in that area. So Judah was in an area. Samaria was just north. And those around Judah didn't like Judah. They didn't want to see Jerusalem rebuilt. And so you see back in Ezra, when they attempted to rebuild these walls, they were attacked. They were stopped from those around him because of fear they stopped. And so Nehemiah knew the situation and said, I know the same people are going to try and stop me that stopped people years before. So send letters that I can show them and prove to them, no, I'm sent by the king. I have his backing. Not only that, but he then asks for letters for the four. So he's asking for the royal credit card. He said, there's this forest over here. You own it, oh good king. Uh, and I know who leads it because I did my research. Asaph is taking care of this. Give me a letter to Asaph so I can go there and say, hey, I need five cords of wood, I don't know, whatever the number would be, uh, to fix. He knew how much to ask for. He went, he had permission to get that. He planned. So this is uh, our first point. Before jumping into a situation, learn the lay of the land. Learn the lay of the land. Nehemiah didn't know the situation down there until a brother came and told him about it. And so in those four months, he did some research, obviously. He studied, he looked into it so that he knew what to ask for. And he created a plan for what to do. Learn the lay of the land. I want to give you a couple questions to ask. If maybe God is stirring in you a holy discontent, here's, here's three questions to ask. One, is there another organization already doing well, filling this need that you can partner with? I think this is a big deal. Kind of like Alex and Kelsey, they, they had a heart for foster adopt. Well, 
are, you can't probably do it apart from what we have out there, but you partner with what's going on. When, when Common Ground first started, before Common Ground started, when God put a heart, uh, gave me a heart for the church, you know, for, for a, a healthy leadership structure, uh, committed to the city. I mean, all the things around the vision he was kind of stirring in me. The first thing I did was trying to find, is there another church with that vision? Now, if you know Carson City, we have some great churches around here. Great churches with great visions, doing great things. But none of them had the vision that God was putting on my heart. And so because of that, you know, God really moved. Yeah, it's time. And when I actually spoke to other religious, you know, Christian leaders in the area, they said, no, we need a church like that. Our church isn't like that. Uh, that's not what he's called us to do, but we need one like that in our area. So is there another organization you can partner with? And if so, great, jump in, uh, bring the value there. And here's another question. What potential obstacles will there be? Now, we don't ask this one to look for outs. You know, this isn't one of those of like, oh, look at all these obstacles. That's too hard. I'm not going to do it. Rather, we look at it so that we can wisely enter in. He knew the obstacles. You know, he knew the governors in the area were going to oppose him. He knew that down in that area, he was going to have trouble finding trees. And so he planned for that. What obstacles are there going to be? And that leads to the next question. What material or financial needs will there be? You know, again, this isn't one of those things that, oh, it's going to cost too much. We shouldn't do it. Because if it's a godly vision, God's going to come around it. But getting an idea, what, what's it going to cost? We need to know. Otherwise, you get into it a little bit, and Scripture talks about that. A builder going to build a house that didn't count the cost, then it's half built and they're out of money. They look like a fool. You know, similar to us, we need to count the cost and get an idea of how to accomplish what is God calling us to accomplish. And here's the last question. Or it's not a question, it's just a principle. Seek wise biblical counsel. You know, obviously, Nehemiah, as a cupbearer to the king, he sought counsel. He asked some people. He must have talked to a builder. He, he spoke to some people familiar with what was happening down there in Jerusalem, what had happened. He read his Bible. But, but seek wise biblical counsel. Don't just jump into something. Again, uh, Proverbs 15.22 says, Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. If you start talking to godly people and they go, oh yeah, we see this in you. We see it in scripture. We see the opportunity. Go, great. If you start talking to wise, godly people and they say, ooh, we're not sure, you should listen to those people, especially if it's all of them. Uh, so seek wise biblical counsel. Again, good stewardship requires wise planning. You know, as God's servants, Everything we have belongs to him, including our time, our talents, and our treasure, and our opportunities. And so we as Christians need to steward those. Good stewardship means we plan. Maybe you heard the story of the young man some years ago who, who got it in his mind to go visit this, this uh, unvisited uh, island. And if you knew the history of the island, you knew you're going to die if you go there. Uh, and this young man decided he was going to go there and share Jesus, and they killed him. Uh, they, I'm not sure they ever got his body back, but they got video and picture of them burying his body on the beach. He was not part of a church. He was not sent by a missions organization. He didn't speak the language. As you read it through, it's like, this guy didn't plan for what he, he just, maybe it was a, an adventure. Who knows why he did it? But that doesn't look like something God would send us to do. He might send us to die for him, but not just willy-nilly, make a plan. And then finally, be willing to take bold risks for the kingdom. Be willing to take bold risks. 
You know, once we get this vision, we start making a plan, it's not going to be easy most of the time. You know, here Nehemiah takes this bold risk to ask for the, 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 the credit card. You know, give me letters uh, to go, and he's going to send soldiers with him. You know, give me a letter to go get the, the wood. He's asking for a lot of stuff here. Be willing to take these bold risks. Remember, God's work, then God's way, never lacks God's provision. I think that's a very important principle as we go his way. You know, maybe God leads you to something and your car's not big enough so you need another one. And then you realize you need another one. I heard about that recently. God will provide for the things that he wants to do. And so we want to be wise, but also if he's leading us, we got to go and trust him to provide. And then the, the last one is we're going to look forward here is we see Nehemiah take some responsibility. Look with me, if you would. At verse 9, then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent with me officers of the army and horsemen. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant, the Ammonite servant heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. So you see here, and we're going to see these guys over and over, these knuckleheads trying to stop God's work. Uh, but Nehemiah had a plan for that, and he gave them the letters, and all they could do was grit their teeth. So I went to Jerusalem and was there three days. Then I arose in the night, I and a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. There was no animal with me but the one in which I rode. I went out by night by the valley gate to the dragon spring, to the dung gate, and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that were broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but there was no room for the animal that was under me to pass. Then I went up in the night by the valley and inspected the wall, and I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. And I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest who were to do the work. So he, he gets to Jerusalem, and for three days, he doesn't tell anybody why he's there. At night, he goes and, and he inspects. Again, he's inspecting, he's looking, he's creating a plan. You know, he's probably the highest official they had seen in Jerusalem for a long time. They're wondering why he's there, but he didn't just jump in and say, I got this great plan, follow me. He continued to plan and formulate uh, and be wise. And then he's taking responsibility for what God is wanting done. To see great works of God, individuals take responsibility to make it happen. You know, again, is God putting something on your heart? And as he's leading you through this, is it you that needs to take responsibility? You know, next week we're going to look at, at communicating a plan. Maybe God's giving you a vision. What are those pieces you need to have that you can communicate it? We're going to look at that next week. But at some point, somebody takes responsibility. Somebody pulls the trigger. You know, prayer is vital, but we don't, you know, lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. There's a combination of, of praying and then going and praying and going in God's strength for God's glory. Again, Nehemiah continuously gives all credit to God. You know, but here, yeah, I kind of want to just finish with this idea, though. What is God leading us to do? We need to take responsibility and we need to plan. You know, and again, we're looking at big visions, but it might start small in your life. You're wholly discontent. Maybe your marriage needs to get fixed. You know, your parenting needs to get fixed. Your family needs to get in order. That takes planning. 
You know, what books are you going to read? Are there seminars? Are there habits you need to form as a family? What are these things to put in place? Is there sin in your life and you're wholly discontent? I need to get over this. Maybe there's a group you need to join. Whatever it is, we plan. You know, it's said that if if we don't plan, we plan to fail. Something like that. Are those who fail to plan, plan to fail? I think that's true. Wisdom would have us plan for our, our own godliness and growth, but also what God is leading us to do. So what is on your heart? You know, if you don't have a godly vision, maybe you need to join one. Again, there's other things great. Some people have, have visions of, of what could be done. Some people have, have leadership gifts. Some people have administrative gifts. And guess what? Those with leadership and vision gifts, they need administrators around them. We need one another. So if, if there's not one specific thing on your heart, Maybe you need to find one. Now, this week, we, we have a, a form we would love for you to fill out. Because as God is stirring our hearts, and we're starting to talk to people, people are getting stirred. You know, as we as a group look at God's word, God will move in us, and we expect it. And so we have a form. I would love for you do me a personal favor and fill it out. There's a link below. Uh, you, can, you can text to act on it. it you, it's also on the... Uh, on the app there, but fill out this form. We want to know what is your holy discontent? How is God leading you? And if you don't know, fill out the form anyway and put that on there. But we want to find out how is God moving among common ground people, among you, among us? Maybe there's some consistencies and we can come together and see God do great things. Let me pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that you have led us. Uh, God, I thank you for the example uh, of Nehemiah, uh, uh, of Alex and Kelsey, of how to take a, a holy discontent and make it a reality. God, we ask, we plead, do great things for your glory through us. Do great things for other people through us. In Jesus' name, amen.